Hello and welcome to the AIPT Comics Podcast, episode 161. That's 161. My name is David Breck and I'm here with Nathan Simmons. Nathan, yeah. where are you at in the world? Right now, I am in Marston Mills, uh, Massachusetts. Uh, I, after visiting some friends uh, last night, we got to actually oh, wow. hang out in person. You and I. We did, yeah. Uh, sadly, yeah, not yeah, recording yeah. together today, but... Uh, and also, sadly, uh, I, you know, sometimes if you're a podcaster, mm. uh, as prepared, you can be as prepared as you want, and you will still forget uh, the the one cable that you need to bring with you <laughs> when you're traveling oh. to record properly. So, um, if I sound far away, it's not just because like we're far away from each other. <laughs> Your soul and energy is in Florida still, so right. it's a little distant. That's right. Yeah. I, I sound like <laughs> yeah, I, I sound like uh, surveillance footage right now. <laughs> you're beaming up from the, from space. I think that's right. Um, we also, or beaming down, I guess. We also both got to see the Batman this week, yeah? We sure did, and we have so many thoughts about that. Uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, this is the APT Comics Podcast, where we recap the biggest news of the week, we review our favorite comics, we have special guests like Eric Gapster on mm-hmm. this week to talk about Sword of Super, a uh, new uh, young adult graphic novel coming from Simon & Schuster later this month. Uh, but also, oh my god, everyone's talking about it. He's got ears. Mm-hmm. He's got a car, mm-hmm. uh, gadgets. No, that's not James Bond. That's Batman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, the thing that I liked about the Batman is um, yeah, this Batman fellow. I think. Oh, yeah. He's a good chap. There's something there, right? Like, they, I think they could do a few more of these movies. Yeah, I think so. I mean, <laughs> if they can find the money for it, Man, I don't know if they can. I I gotta say, like, I, you know, I, I'm on I'm on record as being a, a real Batman guy uh, on this show. Yeah, and uh, this is I, I I gotta see it again. But like my my gut reaction is this is far and away like my favorite Batman adaptation yeah. so far. Um, it's yeah. I mean there's so many action. callbacks to the comics too. Yes. As a comics fan, I think there's a lot to cling yeah. to and make it your own. And finally there's a Batman that like feels organically part of something, but also new mm-hmm. in its own way. And it's I, I mean, we we're not gonna spoil anything, but like this this is no. a detective movie. Like I finally mm-hmm. like that's the one thing that I feel has been missing more than anything else from previous Batman movies. And I'm not you know, I, I'm not even going to talk about putting the bullet back together in the Dark Knight, whatever that, whatever that subplot is. Um, yeah, yeah. I this, yeah, this movie is uh, everything that I hoped it would be, plus a couple of extra things. Um, I have very, mm-hmm. very few gripes, and most of them come from things that feel like a little bit of obvious uh, world building slash sequel baity kind of stuff. Um, right. Right. <clears throat> Which to me screams like a producer was like, "If you do this, we'll make another hundred million right, on the next right. one." Right. <laughs> well, and that's that's always the way, right? Like the like every time yeah. there's a new Batman movie, it's kind of somehow it feels like they have to prove again that they can do Batman. Um, like yeah. it's it's so wild to me. Like the 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 leap between Batman Begins to The Dark Knight in terms of box office and critical acclaim. Uh, and, right. and I feel like this this new vision is going to do kind of a similar thing, like. Um, my, my buddy Ryan that I saw the movie with last night was saying like, it seems crazy to think that Batman, a Batman movie needs word of mouth, but I feel like, like preview Mm. night for this movie did fine. Um, yeah. And I think that like, once the word gets out that yes, this rules, Robert Pattinson is great in this movie. Um, yeah, I think, I think, I think this one's going to like build over time, uh, it's kind of interesting to think about the evolution of the Batman mm-hmm. movies. Like we had Adam West, which was super goofy and, and perfect Absolutely. for the time. You know, Tim Burton comes in, makes it darker, edgier, but then it gets kind of shifted back to a more colorful, right. bright, silly well, even, kind of even thing. The movies ha- are camp, you know, especially Batman right. Returns, and and that's like oh, the sure. thing that people forget about it is yes, like the palette is dark, but these those movies mm-hmm. are goofy as hell and. Yeah, Penguin's, Penguin's ridiculous. ridiculous. I mean, yeah, we, you got Christopher Walken running around in a fright wig. And, and I love those movies. I love the Joel Schumacher yeah. movies. I think all Batman are valid. <laughs> so, And then Christopher Nolan comes around and is like, hey, let's make these a little more yes. realistic, a little more grounded yeah. in reality. And now it's like, I'm wondering, like, our audience mm-hmm. is going, wait, we've already gotten the realistic Batman. Why do we have sure. to see this new that, Batman? So uh, to your yeah. point, like, there is some sort of, like, 
convincing i think yeah i i get it like and and i feel like this movie somehow rides that line of feeling grounded but also feeling perfectly pulp at the same time i mean there is there is some really you know wackadoo stuff in this movie that i i wasn't expecting um but it all feels like it's uh, rooted in uh, human emotion and politics and 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 just like things that just it, this feels very much the Batman of the now, which is wild because it is clearly pulling from stories from you know twenty years ago or more, <laughs> right? Um, but right, also, history repeats itself. Also, the thing that I appreciate is that this movie understands that we know what Batman's deal is, so let's just watch him mm. be Batman, and I <laughs> and I love that. I love that so much. Um, you know, it was one of the things that I actually did appreciate about the uh, the DCEU Batman, which was just like, okay, we get it. Like, here's Batman a little ways into his career. Um, right. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait to watch but it But then a, a key thing about the Batman, the new mm-hmm. movie, is that he doesn't kill and is very adamant about mm-hmm. that, which is so refreshing. And I'm so glad they didn't have him kill yeah. anyone. But we know right. anyway. I mean, it might have been an accident. I mean, yeah, there might have been, might have been some collateral uh, in there. But uh, yeah, and, and the whole cast is so good. Um, and there's music is great. People. Zoe Kravitz is excellent. Paul uh, Paul Dano is great. Yeah. Jeffrey Wright rules. Um, yeah, this is like so much of a Gordon movie too, which I I loved. Yeah, um, it's true. And he's up there with him doing like everything. He's doing the work. Yeah, and I, and there's a thing that I appreciate where there's there's a lot of. Um, favorite character actors popping up in small supporting roles. Uh, mm. There's just so much to love about this movie. I got to see it early on Monday and mm-hmm. people kept going, what did you think? And I go, terrible. And then I linked to the article I wrote, which was three reasons why <laughs> the Batman will win best That's picture what you said at to the me. Oscars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. I just thought I'm that sold. was a funny joke. But uh, one of the main things that I took away and why I wrote that mm-hmm. article at all was because I was just so amazed by the cinematography. It's a gorgeous um, looking movie. Yeah. And it's very, very dark movie, but it still mm-hmm. plays with reds. Mm-hmm. And there's so much rain. It's like wettest Batman movie it there is. is. Yeah. Quote I love that. it. I love that. I, I said that when we were leaving the theater. I said, I love that this is this takes place in a Gotham City where it never stops fucking raining. <laughs> right. Right. And then, well, we won't get to, into it, but it gets even wetter by sure, the end. Sure, sure. Um, but, uh, I think his name is Greg. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Actually. It's G R E I G. Greg Frazier mm-hmm. is the cinematographer. Mm-hmm. So I'm writing this article like, Oh, it's such a beautiful movie. It's so well shot. Like as a person who went to school for screenwriting mm-hmm. and, you know, studied film, like I was amazed, like literally amazed by so many shots, be it Riddler on screen, Batman, Catwoman. And I'm looking this guy up and he's done cinematography on the Mandalorian, Dune, Dune part two, Foxcatcher. Wow. Like, I was looking at his, he hasn't done a, a ton like some other mm-hmm. cinematographers because he's relatively new, but he is just hitting it out of the park and I can't yeah. believe he's not won an Oscar yet. Well, I think, yeah, I think that this is going to be like a, a another big feather in his cap for sure. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's a bat in his cap, hey, I don't there know. You go. <laughs> so two resounding thumbs up from uh, Dave Absolutely. and Nathan, the new Siskel. And, and you know what? Maybe maybe like in a month or so, when we're sure that everyone's seen it, we'll we'll get a little more in depth into it. But just like uh, yeah. initial reactions, I I'm so happy with this movie. It's my favorite mm-hmm. Batman movie since Mask of the Phantasm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and which we just talked about two yeah, months ago on uh, Silver Linings. On the Silver Linings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to unpack it a little bit more, too, like thinking about how it connects to comics, because it really does mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. For sure. I mean, when Catwoman mentions Bloodhaven, you're like, okay. Yeah, yeah there's yep. a lot of fun little nods, for sure. <laughs> Where will they go from here in the next one? Because I think Robert Pattinson's is signed on for at least two yeah, more movies. There's, um, yeah, they're locked in for a trilogy, and we're getting a ton of HBO Max shows. Um, yeah, like This movie yeah. like makes you really excited for any more in this universe like i the the fact that we're gonna get a show about the penguin actually has me very excited yeah especially if if uh i mean they have it's to Colin, have Colin yeah Carroll. he's attached mm-hmm. yeah yeah and he's so he's fun in this he's movie blast. i mean he doesn't and that's the thing like the villains are mm-hmm. evil yes but they also kind of have a complexity to them which is really respectable yeah. like so many superhero movies like I'm thinking of like Bane and even mm-hmm. like there's they're so simplistic yeah. and here they all felt like they were pretty real. Falcone maybe was a little oh, I, little yeah. more Turturro rules in this movie though. But yeah. he's great. He is, yeah. 
So go see the Batman. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, it's out the batting, in now. The batting gentleman <laughs> now playing. Exactly. Yeah. But let's move on to the mm-hmm. news, the biggest comic book news of the week. I think the biggest news and the biggest surprise yeah. to me, too, was uh, the comics beat. Heidi Mac- McDonald had uh, the scoop on this, I think, that AMC Networks is launching a graphic novel publishing mm-hmm. line uh, along with Prose 2. But Stephen King, Kirk Hammett, and some others are all joining forces on this, which when I saw Stephen King was yeah. attached, um, I immediately thought, oh, this has got to be um, a, a new publishing line that is paying the creators, you know, a fair wage compared mm-hmm. to other publishing lines. That's my first my first take. But we don't know the I mean, actual numbers a, yet. That but... would be great. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is a this is a really interesting lineup of, of creators. Uh, yeah. I, I, you said, yeah, when you sent me the, the news and you were like Stephen King and Kirk Hammett, I was like, is Stephen King writing a Metallica book? Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. but yeah this is the same i mean they're also putting out that that great um creep show uh book right like the it's right. uh behind the scenes and and script pieces and stuff like that a coffee table book for the new creep show tv series which i'm really excited about yeah some creators involved also include uh alex Maleev, will sliney um declan chalvey mm-hmm. Raphael de la tour um they're definitely not skimping on the no talent. for sure this is really exciting yeah it's interesting that a a company like amc networks is getting into the comics game actually another thought i had was mm-hmm. like everyone's like oh comics there's no money in comics they're gonna go out of business and now we've got like major tv channels uh, mm-hmm. coming up with their own publishing what's lines. interesting is a lot of these have are have working titles they're also as far as i can tell amc only announced um a series of writers correct like there's not not any yeah. artists attached to to these specific books yet no i mean will snyney is, is an artist um right, but jenny frizzen oh, okay. is you're but, right. yeah you're yeah, right for sure but like as far as like what kind of titles are coming out i don't really have a lot of details right. yet i'm uh, looking announced. forward to finding out more though for sure what are the chances that they release this news like a week before their new stock like <laughs> report comes in, right, you know what right. I mean? <laughs> the, the 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 fears and dangers of uh, we're in the Stephen King business now. Mm-hmm. You know who's in the Kevin Smith business mm. now? Dark Horse Hell Comics. Yeah. Dark Horse and Kevin Smith are joining forces with Kevin Smith's Secret Stash mm-hmm. Press to start launching comics this fall, uh, including a book called Masquerade, an eight-issue vigilante story, and a anthology book called Quick Stops which is specifically focused in the View Askewniverse right. with Clerks, Mallrats, Jansa, Bob, all the stuff we mm-hmm. grew up with and thought it was the funniest <laughs> stuff when we were yeah. 11 is now coming back I for nostalgic reasons. I still love a reasons, couple I'm of sure. those uh, early Smith movies, but man, have you, did you see the Jansa and Bob reboot? I did not. Sit. And I, and I yeah. say that it as someone a, who yeah. like adores Jansa and Bob Strike Back. <laughs> I remember sitting through Clerks 3 and being like, what? In the future? Why? Our clerks too. Clerks too. <laughs> he is sorry, making sorry, that. Sorry. Like clerks three is a thing. Yeah, you're right. Um, the last one I remember liking is Jan and Bob's. Yeah, back. I mean, uh, but I was I still, still pretty. Young. I love Dogma, and I love. I have a soft yeah. spot for the original Clerks for sure. But yeah, um, oh sure. I don't know. We'll we'll see how this turns out. I mean, Smith's always been a you know been a comics guy, and and you know I love his mm-hmm. uh, the Guardian Devils stuff. Um, it, but the and his Green Arrow run is excellent. Uh, but Oh sure. It's been, a, it's been a minute since he's put out something that I've been like really excited for. So I, I'm curious to see how this turns out. I mean, you know, Quick Stops is is fun, you know, for fans of his books or his films. Uh, but yeah. yeah, the idea of a new vigilante story is uh, is uh, intriguing for sure. Yeah, especially since yeah, like you just kind of listed off, he's done some vigilante superhero books in the past mm-hmm. that were great, like Daredevil yeah. as well. Um, it's 25 years since his comic shop opened. I guess it's the anniversary. Oh, wow. and he's That's crazy. Using this to launch this right as on. well. He was selling comic books 25 years ago. Now he's yeah. Naked. Well, I mean, he uh, to that. That's like one of the big parts of his uh, origin story is that he he sold yeah. his whole comics collection to finance Clerks, and then once the movie right. was picked up and was a hit, he bought them all back. Like as he was making mall right. rats. And then he was literally written into. Uh, Captain Marvel. Oh, movie. that's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
that was that was a really great I little moment, that. especially for us us nerds who've loved mall sure. rats to death. In other crazy what comic book yeah. news, Jamie Lee Curtis is getting into the comics game. She's starting her own publishing yeah, yeah. company. No, I'm just kidding. No, not her own publishing, <laughs> but she is launching her own echo horror uh, mm-hmm. graphic novel called Mother Nature at Titan Comics, coming out this fall. Um, it's co-written uh, by Russell Goldman with art by Carl Stevens. Um, I, when we posted the news on amptcomics.com, mm-hmm. Carl, like, I don't think he saw that Entertainment Weekly had the exclusive, so he used our news. He's like, guys, oh yeah, he's like the the secrets but out. He was super yeah. pumped, uh, and it looks exactly rad. Yeah. yeah, the the artwork for this is pretty pretty intense. Um, yeah, it's a, it's got an illustrator mm-hmm. style, almost like it's drawn in like pen or something. Um, but also, uh, who does it remind me of? Allison, uh, Allison uh, Sampson, I think. Okay, her name is. she's done some horror stuff. It's it's definitely unnerving. There's an unnerving shot where this person's got his head being pummeled by some sort of metal. And then, thing. Uh, yeah, the I this is, so this is also adapted from a screenplay for like a Blumhouse movie that she's directing, right? Yeah, right. So that's mm-hmm. so exciting. Like uh, I love I love that they're branching this story out and uh this this is as good as a trailer right now. Like legit like until we see footage from the movie, like this is so cool to to kind of get a, a yeah. glimpse at how insane this this story is going to be. Right, totally. I wonder if it's also and whenever I see a a comic or graphic novel come out that's sort of tied to a movie mm-hmm. or a movie in production or a movie that may not have gotten made yet, I always think was the comic idea, did they come up with this to sort of sell producers for a little more cash or like the right. fountain comes to mind where they came out with a full graphic novel of that and then Sometimes, it came, the movie finally came out. I mean, also like that's that's just a great way to help sell a visual to someone who can't like really see what your vision is. Especially like the fountain is a perfect example. That movie is so, I can't imagine walking into a pitch <laughs> meeting and trying to sell that movie. Yeah. But having a tangible sequential piece of artwork that people can look at and say, Oh, I, I, I get this now. I can wrap my head around it. I can see what you're doing with it. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I think that's brilliant. So, uh, Jamie Lee, if you want to be on the amputee comics podcast, you're always welcome. Even, yes. uh, if you're not pitching a comic, you can just come on and hang just out. Just hang with out. Us. Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, so my, my friend Ashley and I have a, a, podcast about horror movies and uh we have a recurring joke on the show because uh every time we talk about jamie lee curtis our phones autocorrect it to jamie lee cuties and oh my and so God, now we just funny. call her that <laughs> so so jamie lee cuties anytime you want to come by oh, we we would love to such an endearing we would name. love to chat mother nature and whatever else hell yeah in a shifting set to Marvel mm-hmm. Comics, Marvel announced Hulkling and Wiccan, which Yay. was once a digital first only Infinity yeah. comic, is now coming to comic book shops June mm-hmm. 15th. It's kind of neat to see this because, you know, with the Infinity comics, I think they're probably all set to become yes. prints. Yeah, some I think point. so. But they never vocalized that when they first announced these. Mm-hmm. Like, you never know uh, what, what they'll do, especially since they're made for vertical mm-hmm. reading. Not the uh, conventional comic book sense. Yeah, uh, Josh Trujillo and uh, Jody Nishijima working on this. It's a also brings in Agatha Harkness. So anybody who's looking for more Agatha and you know Hulkling and Wiccan, uh, this is a this is a good. Story. I I love this Peach Momoko cover. I'm always going to be a sucker for a Peach Momoko cover. Yep, uh, <laughs> so always. Uh, yeah, this looks fun. I'm, I'm. It looks like Wiccan is being like. Torn away from Hulkling, his new yeah, husband. Yeah, it's interesting. The um, by some weird figure. They're 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 referring to the book as an epic cosmic romance. So I'm in. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I love that the the you know any time the Infinity Line uh, expands a little bit more, that's exciting because it it shows that they're they're really trying to go all in and tell like different stories. They're not just doing like big marquee characters, and they're focusing on like fan favorite characters as well. Yeah, totally, yeah. It, it gives more opportunities yep. out there. Speaking of romance, Christopher mm-hmm. Cantwell has Iron Man proposing to Hellcat, and then in June, in Iron Man Hellcat Annual mm-hmm. Number 1, he sends them to hell! Straight to hell, boy. <laughs> so yeah, Marvel put out a little press release for this, um, basically just giving us a little more detail mm-hmm. on this special exercised annual issue. Um, some words from Cantwell in there as well. But... Uh, I want to know if she said yes. She probably doesn't say anything, right, on the cliffhanger, and then it cuts to this. Uh, we find out what happens. After I could that. see that. Yeah. 
But the, again, the Peach Momoko cover oh. where Hellcat has got millipedes like, in, in her brain. brain. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. the, this is clever because you know, uh, you know, sometimes you got to make peace with the ex before you before you settle down again. So you know, she's she's got some history <laughs> in hell. She she dated uh, mm-hmm. Damien Hellstrom, or she was married to Damien Hellstrom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, this is. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this one. I, there's, there's such a fun unexpected pairing like i i still just i love this dynamic um yeah it works really well because they're both growing through so Mm -hmm. much so they they kind of can lean on each other at the same time definitely in other marvel comics news do you like mech or mecca how do you say it mech 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 (laughs) yeah what is what was that old marvel comic series ikmen ek oh i don't have no idea it was like a really funny, we don't want to it was a comedic, like silly, goofy oh, kind of thing. It was in the back of a Rand Ech? Was that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that, yeah. Anyway, that. unrelated. Marvel has continuing their Mech Strike mm-hmm. series with Mech Strike Monster Hunters number Classic. one coming out in June. Written by Christos Gage with art by Paco yeah. Diaz. It's funny because I think just last week we were talking about DC's new Mech yes, series. Yeah. And now it's it, we're going all in on Mechs, guys. I... 2022 is the mech year. What I want to know is if... Uh, so Perry Perez did the the cover art for this. The yeah. I want to know who did the logo treatment because it is so great. If it's Perez oh, or not, because like right. it is so... And, and I mean this as a compliment. It is so 1990s toy line that I, I love oh. it. I love it. <laughs> I genuinely like... Yeah. It makes me... It made me smile the second I saw it because it is such a like a a wacky concept so why not go all in like i could totally see you know the mech strike monster hunters line on the on the, yeah. the shelves at kb toys you know like this is so cool <laughs> i honestly think that's the point of these series oh, I, <laughs> to make toys so, i'm fine i'll buy them <laughs> let's do it like yeah i'm more yeah. into this than i am into whatever the um what was the, the there was like the dc line of figures where they were all like cavemen do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, about? I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a little while ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah this. Is so, so the fun. cover, if you if you go to aptcomics.com, you can see it because obviously we're on a podcast here. But uh, there's Wasp, Black Panther, Hulk, and Iron Man all mecked yeah. up. But I gotta say, Wasp has got that heavy Transformers energy on that. Yeah, design, it, was, don't it you looks think? like Waspinator. Yeah, and then I love the. Uh, yeah. I, uh, Iron Man's got some fangs on his suit. Uh, they all have arc. You gotta get the fangs. They all have arc helps you kill monsters. With spooky irises on them, like spooky eyes. Oh, you're right. Uh, yeah. yeah, these are really fun designs. I, I'm this kind of stuff. I'm literally smiling ear to ear right now. It definitely has like a licensing feel, which is interesting because Christos Gage is also doing a um, Fortnite comic right. at Marvel mm-hmm. after doing a Fortnite comic with DC. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, any solicit Moving. that includes something like Dr. Doom has used the eye of the Kraken, like, I'm like, yeah, let's go. Fists in the air, guys. Let's do it. <laughs> in other comics news, Abrams Comics Art mm-hmm. is launching a new OGN called Phenomena, the Golden City of Eyes mm-hmm. in September 2022. This is by a guy you may have heard of called Brian Michael Bendis mm. and Andre Lima Arujo. Um... 144-page graphic novel. It's a series. Right. There's going to be three of them. But this is the second big swing Abrams has done. Yeah. Earlier this year, they announced... Or earlier last year now, they announced Alex Ross is doing a Fantastic Four graphic oh, novel. Man, I need it. I need that Fantastic Four so badly. Um, this looks so I'm fun. So it looks that. really, like, uh, anime-inspired. I... I love the mm. um i don't know there's there's a there's almost like a um, or not necessarily anime maybe like french sci-fi like there's a very like kind of valerian vibe to this um, oh sure uh-huh. also i gotta say like i think I, I my 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 experience with bendis is that so many of his stories work better when collected instead of like the yeah instead of like the you know the piecemeal like uh, single issue so the idea of him doing an ogn is actually really exciting to me um so mm-hmm. yeah we'll see we'll see how this turns out this looks so cool yeah every fall for the next three years there'll be a new chapter in this um my, my first thought when i saw this was you know now that bendis is obviously maybe even leaving dc comics completely but at least scaling mm-hmm. back way way back there and he brought jinx world to dark horse maybe he's going to get into the indie game a lot more after jesus decades Dude, at marvel that might, years that at dc might be like his best like the best suited area for him. Cause like his final, his final form. form now I can write all <laughs> the word bubbles. 
<laughs> just a book of word bubbles. He'll just work with a letter. I that's think it. what he, I think what that is, is a novel, correct? <laughs> like, that's oh, wait. Well, not if it's in a word balloon. Okay. It's different. <laughs> Fantastic. He'll have his son do it. He'll, he'll, it'll be, it'll win all the Eisners yes. too, probably. That would be amazing. Uh, speaking of Eisners, mm. ever heard of Dave Gibbons? Yeah. Well, he's got a autobiography coming out from Dark Horse called Confabulation, an anecdotal autobiography. Um, this will track, he'll, so obviously it's an autobiography, so he'll be, i assuming, drawing a lot of this, but it might be a mixed media sort of thing because it goes mm-hmm. all the way back to his childhood. It goes to when he was in um, uh, marketing and sales um, art um, and advertising. Yeah. Obviously, oh. he is the artist of The Watchmen, what he's most known for, but he's done a lot over I mean, his career. Yeah, I mean, Batman and uh, Doctor Who when he was on the, the Doctor Who magazine. And this is so cool. I, I'm really excited mm-hmm. about this. Same. Big same. I think Dave Gibbons, I think he's gotten a lot more credit for Watchmen in the recent mm-hmm. years, but there was a long stretch there where everyone just said Alan oh, sure. Moore. And it's outrageous because Gibbons probably deserves more credit well, Moore is, for why Watchmen yeah, so Yeah, Moore good. is also like never like it has never like held it against him for you know co-signing on any adaptations and stuff because he's like boy boy get That's that true. paper like I get like absolutely right. totally uh, yeah Gibbons is a Gibbons is a legend I can't wait to read this comes out in October Same. yeah and then finally our last bit of news Dark Horse again what Dark Horse all over the news Dark this week Horse. they've got a new OGN again we are coming out with OGNs now like that's the thing we're Love doing them. because 5 years ago Dark Horse would have put this out in serial format and then collected yeah. it but uh, a tropical noir uh-huh. sci-fi called Wiper is coming out in September. I just love the idea of tropical noir. As a person who studied <laughs> film noir in yeah. college, I was like, tropical? I've never heard of this. I immediately think of like a really tasty drink. <laughs> um, but, but it brings you sorrow. Sure. <laughs> it's written by John Harris Dunning with pencils by Ricardo Cabral. I love that... 120 page graphic novel. There's a robot named Clute in this. Like as in like yeah. the, the Alan Pakula noir from the 70s like i i that's a fun oh, little yeah. little bit uh, disappearance of yeah, journalist big... orson glark <laughs> i love these names it, the, it is it's it, it looks really cool i mean the the hook is uh what if your memories could be fatal mm-hmm. but uh sci-fi is so in right now right like i turn on tv and just I'm, sci-fi well, i'm also just enjoying like there's so many great like sci-fi ogns coming out i mean we've got uh mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean this is this is this looks really fun, very Blade Runner inspired, uh, as it's mentioned in the press release. Yeah, I mean release. we've got um, the Forgotten Blade from TKO, for yeah. instance, is just that one of cool. many. And that's it for news. In our next segment, our top mm-hmm. books of the week, we're going to talk about our top two favorite comics out this week. Yeah. I'll go first. I really dug Rogue Son by Ryan Parrott and Abel. Um, maybe it's a, a bit of a cheat since Ryan was on mm-hmm. the show. Oh, I don't know, five weeks ago now, we talked about this book, but um, I had an advanced look at it. I got to read it yeah. again uh, as if for the first time this week. And I think it's just a solid, solid superhero origin story. Yeah. It's tied into the Radiant Black universe, but it doesn't feel like you have to read it at all. Because honestly, I have only tiptoed into the Radio Black mm-hmm. universe. And this just is totally on its own and introduces a kid in high school who is not being bullied. He is the bully. So there's a different oh, track there. His father was the rogue son. And I don't think it's too big of a spoiler to say he literally dies in like the first three pages. Mm-hmm. And his suit and powers go to his son. And there's a really big twist at the end that adds this like mentorship element to the story mm-hmm. that is really intriguing. And Abel's art is very unique, and it's it's super detailed, but it has a different style and feel, almost European in a little bit, um, compared to typical superhero comics. So in the, even in that regard, it feels new and fresh and different. Nice. So, yeah, I think you should totally check it out. There's a, a lot of interesting supporting characters, too, that it's one of those narratives where you're like, I think that guy's the bad oh, okay. guy. Or like, that person might become a good guy. Yeah, you know I mean? I'll have to check it out. I, I, I really dig Radiant Black, and uh, I'm, I'm always a fan of Parrot's work. I just haven't uh, gotten around to this one just yet. I'll check it out. It's crazy to me, like, 
his Power Rangers run mm-hmm. is done, and then this comes out, and then like the next week is the next Power Ranger team. Like it's a clean yeah. break. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, and I've got a flight coming up on uh, on Monday, so I will be diving into Rogue Sun. Load it up. What was your second favorite My book? My second favorite book of the week was Batman Killing Time, number one, by Tom King and David Marquez. Um, this, was a, this was just a... F- I mean, obviously, I'm on board for all the Batman stuff this week. Uh, yeah. This was yeah. a really interesting approach to a Gotham City story. Batman is uh, kind of weaving in and out of it as this sort of nonlinear heist narrative is playing out. And we kind of get to mm. see how all the criminal element deals with uh, the, a, a change in the power dynamic. Uh, and there's a couple of really big surprises. Uh, the... Uh, the um, my only knock against this is I I still I'm not totally sold on the uh, the the way that the, the framing device of using jumping around in time a bunch yeah uh, you know yeah. like the first page will be like 4:22 p.m. and then the second page is 2:30 uh, the previous day and I'm just like just it, I don't know that I'm losing anything <laughs> by having this story told out of order you know what I mean yeah oh totally yeah and that happens a lot in cinema too yes. right where they do that. I mean, it's a conventional thing you see in comics a lot where they cut ahead to give you the action up mm-hmm. front, then cut back. Yeah. And actually, when I, and when I went to school, I actually mentioned, I've reviewed this book for APT Comics to come, and I mentioned it when I went to school for screenwriting, like, I did a class, and the this professor was like, all flashback is just weak writing. Oh, It's wow. like, jumping around in time is bad. Yeah. It, if it can't work linearly, then you don't have a good story. And yeah. I don't know if I don't think that's actually true, but it can be because it yeah. ends up being a crutch for a lot of narratives yes. to use that for. Well, I, I I personally blame Quentin Tarantino for for <laughs> for for convincing every film student in the '90s that that was how you were supposed to write movies. <laughs> right, that's funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I uh, for the most part, I really dug this book. Uh, you know, there's a sp- couple of specific moments that I'll get into uh, in a little bit, but the. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the artwork is gorgeous. There's this great moment when Batman arrives on the scene and he's just like the posing is so cool. You get a, a, a Riddler that's genuinely frightening in this story. Uh, also great. Yeah, great yeah he's timing. depicted like in his he's like his usual like kind of like skinny dweeby self. Yeah. But then he does something totally horrific. Horrifying. Yeah. Uh, you liked this book, right? Yeah, it's my favorite book of the week. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's, you sounded like Penguin just yeah. then. Yeah. Uh, who is in the story? Actually, there's an amazing moment where Penguin is eating um, goldfish out of a classic goldfish bowl. Oh, yeah. But the framing of it is so cool because you see the goldfish bowl, and then in the next panel, you see a hand dip in. Yeah. And then you see the hand dip out. And then it's just a smash cut to his freaking sharp teeth, teeth. just covered in yeah. blood. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, a lot of cool framing things mm-hmm. in this issue. I did laugh. But I think po- I told you this. I, I yeah. laughed out loud, though, like... Towards the end of the book, yeah. when it's like four hundred years ago at a production of Euripides, and I was like, "What are, yeah. what are we doing here?" <laughs> was it the was it the classic procedural co- uh, cop show um, Dragnet that did that, where it was like four seventeen? Oh, sure. PM. Yes. Yeah. Like one uh, to the to your point about the captioning and how it like every page mm-hmm. is like jumping to back last weekend mm-hmm. four p.m. five p.m. Like at first, I was like getting kind of frustrated i think it takes a little patience to like even understand what's happening it does i like there's a no way to like on a second read too i kind of loved how tom king was jerking us around with that okay. and it I, I, like halfway through i started realizing like holy shit like king is actually forcing us to pay a way more attention to when and where yeah. things are that's very true and for like a a mystery like this, it got me kind of excited because I was like, I am definitely paying more attention yeah. than I would normally do if it was a linear story. And in that way, I was kind of like tintillated by it. Like I was like, wow, this is, this is, I'm getting a different reaction from this comic than I would sure. in a normal comic. And pretty much every, every week, if, if something's on my top two, it's because it's done something a little different. And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. something new. Right. When you read so many comics, it's, it's, it's a great feeling. <laughs> <Sure>. Um <laughs> And and also to the point to another point to this like I love how it jerked me around and at the same time I love that way more than the mystery like I don't I don't actually care very much what's in the box sure what's in the box you just want to see people uh, trying to get their get to it right right 
And it's kind of neat to see Riddler and Catwoman have like a interesting kind of new relationship. I don't, yeah, I don't remember the last time they were kind of hanging out like they are in this. Well, uh, there's a bit of that in um, War of Jokes and Riddles, like in the uh, in the mm. uh, King King's Batman run. But uh, yeah, oh, I mean, okay. it's, it's it's a good it's an interesting dynamic for sure. It's also kind of neat, like Tom King. Like, how much pressure is on him to deliver a new Batman story after right. <laughs> after setting such high expectations? New. Yeah. I agree. Right. And he's kind of, I mean, he is doing Bat and Cat right now, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of people I like, are having trouble reading that I like this that a lot one. more. I will tell you that. Yeah. Same. Same. But mm-hmm. more importantly, mm-hmm. what is your favorite comic book of the week? My favorite comic book of the week was One Star Squadron, number four by Mark Russell and Steve Lieber. Uh, this one really just, I mean, it, it's definitely like a middle issue. Uh, they're, they're still mm-hmm. kind of... Uh, <laughs> Continuing on the the plot line of uh, Red Tornado has been asked to lay off everybody at his office, um, which you know is all these B and C list uh, superheroes, and uh, it's all about the kind of corporate uh, cycle of people stabbing each other in the back and finding new scapegoats for what goes wrong with their company and how to. Uh, and they're they're still building this conspiracy of someone trying to buy out heroes for you without really telling us who it is, um, <laughs> right? It means it's probably Batman, right? And then meanwhile, <laughs> the uh, the we're we're seeing how uh, Gangbuster is having a hard. So Gangbuster is uh, has been uh, has had severe head trauma. He has PTSD, and he's living at this apartment complex. And Red Tornado is just worried, like, if my company goes under, how am I supposed to take care of these people? And uh, mm-hmm. really, really starts to um, explore more of the 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 weight that is left when uh, when the the hero game is over, and how how do these people actually integrate themselves into society? Um, this, you know, Minuteman has like let himself down as a person. So like, how does he continue on unless he just transitions to a new career and, uh, just kind of, everyone just kind of feels like they're being chewed up and spit out by the machine. And, uh, it's just, it's just a beautifully written, beautifully illustrated issue that, um, really like this, this series keeps like hitting me in like these emotional levels that I don't expect. Yeah. It's so raw and real. I mean, Obviously, it's a step apart from reality with superheroes, but at the same time, you're like, "Holy shit!" Like, I've experienced this myself yeah, in a cubicle setting. Of course. You know? Oh man, and that's what makes Mark Russell so and Steve Lieber so yeah, great. Like their absolutely. ability to capture the inane and make it funny and interesting and so damn it, sad. It feels like JLI. <laughs> like it feels like just like the the old school Justice League International in a way that I I feel like no one's gotten close to in a long time. Right. Right. Right definitely mm-hmm. pick that up I can't wait for that to be in yeah, trade too. that's going to be one on the shelf mm-hmm. for sure in our next segment stand out moment of the week we talk about our favorite moments our favorite panel page yeah. whatever our rules <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> damn it Nathan what was your favorite uh, panel or page uh, my favorite page of the week was from Batman Killing Time number one uh, and it's the first appearance of Jim Gordon. He's sitting at his desk, going through paperwork. He's very tired. And someone mm-hmm. off pay, off panel is saying, uh, Kamish, we got some trouble down at First National. Team's already on the way. But uh, uh, they've already sent over some security tape. It's uh, it's, uh, it's not one of those uh, run-of-the-mill things. Like, he's, like the, the guy just starts slowing down. He's like, it's one of those... Uh, you know, the special ones uh, that we have in Gotham. Like, it's just like try, trying yeah. not to tell Gordon that it's we got a, we got a fucking supervillain. We got a fucking, there's a, there's a monster at the bank. You know? uh, it's a blast. I mean, it just, and Gordon's just like kind of slow resignation, taking his glasses off and just being like, I've been here since yesterday. What is it? Dark out? Is it raining? Like, what? what is the weather like? <laughs> uh, it just never slows down for him. And I think that's such a perfectly Jim Gordon reaction uh, mm. that just really, really tickled me. The framing's so good. I love the repetitive framing. It yeah. always, the way it plays with time and, and uh, in the scene, it's so cinematic, yeah, absolutely. too. Uh, my favorite moment came from Avengers Forever Number 3 by Jason mm-hmm. Aaron and Aaron Cooter. Jason Aaron, Aaron Cooter. That's Jason one name. Aaron no, Cooter. um... <laughs> so this issue was bonkers uh i reviewed it it's just super fun uh given the state of the world it was really nice to just escape into this other universe where crazy superhero stuff happens while they're trying to do a 
prison break. Um, but uh, there's a moment where a Wonder Man of a different universe, um, he's shrunken down because he's taken some pin particles, but uh, doesn't care. They have to strike yeah. now. So he <laughs> runs himself through the heads of all these war machine, I think robots, there could be people inside. And he's just zipping through their brains, mm -hmm. almost like, um, uh, what is that? Star-Lord's dad there with his arrow. Oh, uh, uh, Yandu. Yandu, thank you. Uh, just and he's like not just he's not like curving he's doing like straight lines through these guys mm -hmm. and it ends with him if you go to aptcoms.com you can see the if you go to the podcast post you can see the art in full but it ends with him like in tiny form like an inch <laughs> yeah. tall pushing one of the war machines up uh, and he's he's coming at him so hard that he's actually like arching mm -hmm. his back and he's so tiny it just shows how strong he is doesn't matter how big he is he can still like power through these guys so good just a super bonkers issue where like every every one of these alternate universe avengers gets to do something there's a cool lady moon knight that's really awesome too really cool design it's worth picking right up on. yeah it's, it's a, been a fun series so far like it's it's a lot of big big swings and big fun like set piece action moments if you like the multiverse you'll probably dig it love that multiverse there's so much mm -hmm. of it i think about I mean, I think about the real multiverse and how, like, right now, mm -hmm. you know, we're doing this podcast, but I'm in Atlantis, yeah. and you're on the moon. And I have a microphone. <laughs> yes, in the other you have the cord. In my other universe, you I was able to plug my microphone up. <laughs> yeah, the moon just has more cords. It's just the it's <laughs> yep. fact. It's true. In our next segment, top books for next week, we're going to talk about our most anticipated comic mm -hmm. out next week. I can't wait for Little Monsters Number 1 by Jeff Lemire and Dustin yeah. Wen. Uh, we've been talking about this book off and on because it's been in the news, but uh, these two powerhouses join forces again after Robin and Batman, the excellent series that was on your top of the yeah. books of the week multiple times, yeah. I think. Every issue. Uh, Dustin Wen is taking on a different art style here, which is really yeah. cool. Um, he's actually, I think he said in our interview on the show a month or two ago, he's he was dabbling with manga, studying manga, and you can see it um, in the preview pages that have been yeah. released it's it's very uh, it's not it's less watercolor of course and more like almost like bende dot style yeah. and using shade and there's no color or there's limited color um, and it's a really cool concept yeah. uh, kid vampires story. I mean I you know it's funny I had a different book on my top books and then you just reminded me that this comes out next week so uh, it's also my <laughs> most anticipated book for next week I. Yeah, the the and it's it's not a horror book, right? Like he wants to explore. Right. They made that very last clear. Last children yeah. on Earth who are vampires. So they're you know the world mm -hmm. of eternal night, and they don't really. It, it's been so long since humanity died that they don't even remember what the world was, uh, or how mm -hmm. they came to be, uh, and that's such a fascinating concept. How these how these kids that never grow old learn to navigate. At, you know the world after the end right yeah and that's an interesting concept it's it's like lord of the flies but yeah. vampires in the i future. love it i <laughs> and it sounds so future. rad like it does i uh, can't wait really to check does. it out you know what else that. is rad our favorite covers that's out right. next week yeah there's some good ones you know, judging by the cover junior segment, we talk about our favorite yeah. arts cover art out next week. What do you got? Man, I'm I'm just in a Batman mood this week uh, again. You are batty. I'm batty, batty as hell, batty. and I'm looking for. I love the cover for I Am Batman number seven, uh, which is out next week. Mm. And uh, this is the cover art by Ken Lashley. Um, it's uh, Jace Fox r racing to his next battle on the on his cycle. I love the double wheels on the front, kind of like the bat pod ish kind of design. Uh, and yeah. he, this, he's just speeding by. It's a very. Uh, it reminds me of Akira, just with like the 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 streaks of neon as he's riding through the city. The silhouette of the bike and his suit is creating a bat symbol in front of him. Uh, there's just mm -hmm. so much kinetic energy in this one image that I just, uh, it's so cool. It just immediately struck me as like, oh yeah, Batman's coming, like get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, how apt, right? Because yeah. uh, motorcycles are heavily used in the new movie. I know, yes. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> which if you don't think I thought that was great, then <laughs> we don't know each other. Yeah. Um, you know, watching the Batman, I thought, yeah. are motorcycle sales going to go up? They, they probably, probably will, will right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. also, also the number of people uh, ramping their car through giant explosions will probably go up. 
the uh, yeah, I, and also like we talked about this last month, but this sort of soft soft reboot ish of I Am Batman, you know, the new New York yeah. City era. Um, I'm a 100% here for it. I I absolutely loved uh, issue six. And uh, so I'm I'm fully in on seeing, you know, where Jace's crusade takes him now. Yeah, and look at the title treatment on this. This is really cool oh, yeah. too. The I am has the bat uh yes. ears. And and a little bit of the little bit of the wings like cutting through the bottom of it. It's a great logo treatment. Totally. Uh, my favorite cover was from X Lies of Wolverine number four by Adam yeah. Hughes. It's one of the variant covers. Uh, it's got Patch, yeah, <laughs> Wolverine, Wolverine's alter ego, where he, ha- he wears an eye patch guy. and a white suit. For a guy with claws yeah. as his main weapon, why wear a white suit? I don't, I don't know. know. It's kind of crazy. But man, the the <laughs> use of shadow on this cover is so good. Yeah, so he's like Wolverine's in the center. If you go to APT Comics come and go to his podcast post, you can see it. But he's in the yeah. center and he's clearly at some sort of function or party. There are ferns yeah. everywhere. Maybe he's in like a garden, but the ferns are used as the shadows of the ferns are used to show his claws not yeah. popped, but they are in the he's shadow. He's got his form. fists like balled up, and yeah, it's it's so such cool. a great, it's a it's a really good gag. <laughs> it is, it is a good gag. And then we've got all these sort of nondescript, not faces in the ferns all around him that creates mm-hmm. this central focus of him. And obviously, there's like a spotlight on his fists yeah. to really draw you into that claw feature. But it's still somehow subtle. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's like a woman on the bottom right that is clearly looking a little shifty. Uh-huh. Knowing the patch stories, you know he is kind of, kind of always kind of undercover, going into seedy places. Yeah. So that kind of vibe is is captured he's, so well. He's just a, a little Adam apart Hughes from is, everybody else. Yeah, that's like he's got to be top top yeah. three cover artists, right? Alex Ross, <laughs> Mark Brooks, oh, Adam Hughes. That's a good I trinity. Yeah, but yeah, go check out that in the comic book shops. In our next segment, Eric Gapser joins us to talk about Sword of Super, his new graphic novel coming out um, March twenty second. Enjoy. So on with us is Eric Gapster. Um, you've you've got sort of super coming out in a few weeks. Uh, thank you so much for being on the APT Comics podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Sort of super is such a fun premise, especially for superhero fans who like secret identities and superhero costumes and young characters kind of finding their way through their powers. Where did the idea start for this project? So it kind of came about as a comic strip. Um, I wanted oh. to pick comic strips when I was younger, uh, just to. Just looking at the art, you can see um, I'm a big fan of uh, Bill Watterson's Calvin and Hobbes. Um, Bone yeah. is a big influence. So <clears throat> um, reading those two things, I think creatively um, was just uh, kind of where, you know, those those things excited me. And I love superhero comics. And so to just uh, kind of blend those all together was where these ideas started. And, that, you know, back in, oh boy, um, when I first had the idea for the strip, there there weren't any, you know, superhero kid comic strips um and this was probably back around 2003 2004 um so i mean these ideas have been um sitting around for a really long time um and i did try to pitch them as comic strips for a long time um but it wasn't until the idea to um you know kind of do something more like bone uh, make a narrative out of it um that it all kind of clicked and came together nice yeah you know it was funny i have a question later in the in the process here, but uh, I was thinking Calvin and Hobbes uh, when I was reading the book. Uh, but yeah, Bone is such a is, is such a nail in the head as well. We had Jeff Smith on the show uh, last summer, and he's so great. Uh, oh, awesome! I'm still anticipating that Netflix show he's got going with Bone, but we'll see. Um, oh yeah. What are some of the superheroes that you grew up with that you you love the most? Um, so my first um, comic book when the third grade, I, I got a copy of Amazing Spider-Man 350 by uh, Eric Larson drew it. And, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, it just uh, blew me out of the water. So I've read Spider-Man. I, I've never really stopped reading um, Amazing Spider-Man. Um, but other ones that really um, stuck with me, um, you know, as a kid, I there was a, um, I think I was a teenager. Um, they uh, kind of did a soft relaunch of the Superman comics. So uh, Ed McGinnis's Superman, um, when he uh, drew the book with Jeff Loeb, um, and you know that whole creative run um, just really uh, across all titles of the Superman books, Adventures and Man of Steel. Um, so um, 
you know, all those writers and artists really, uh, that stuck with me. There've been a bunch. I mean, there's, there's so many, um, it's hard to pin down because I'm, I'm always hopping in and out of, you know, different books. Um, yeah. but you know, Kelly Jones, Batman, um, when I was a kid, really, um, Scott McDaniels, Nightwing, um, those books all really grabbed a hold of me. For fans of those titles, is there anything in sort of super that kind of influenced you in that way? That's a good question. Um, I don't, I don't think um, anything overtly influenced me. Um, there's a lot of things um, and sort of super as a series is, um, you know, there's just a lot of, um, you know, it's kind of a love letter to comics and that uh, there's a lot of, you know, uh, just things you find in every, um, you know, comic book series, or almost every comic book series, like, uh, you know, yeah. secret identities and, you know, I don't want to give too much away for later books, but, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's that playground. It's just such a fun playground and it's really getting explored, um, especially to larger audiences now with, um, you know, the explosion of movies and um, TV right. shows. Um, so, but nothing, nothing, uh, I would say I was, I was more influenced by the writing side of, um, mm. you know, the, just that the, the humor and the whimsy of um, Calvin and Hobbes. And another uh, big one for me is Richard Thompson's cul-de-sac, which was a strip oh, yeah. that ran in. The, yeah. So um, he's so brilliant. And, um, and again, going back to Jeff Smith, um, you know, just kind of seeing what he did. And uh, one that you wouldn't, you know, think uh, just because it's a, you know, middle grade book. But uh, I, I think I was reading Mignola's Hellboy when I decided to put all this together as oh, yeah. a graphic novel. <laughs> um, I just, yeah, it was so, uh, I was like, man, this is what I want to do. <laughs> you know, like, uh, as opposed to the other ventures I was trying, which was, um, you know, I, I, I draw comic books. Um, I ink uh, stuff for the big two. and. Um, well, DC, I, I have not worked for Marvel, but, um, you know, a lot of, uh, that, that was kind of what I was trying to do is more, get more penciling work and more inking work, um, for company characters. And, uh, it, you know, it was, it just so happened to be, you know, I was reading Mignola at the moment. I was like, yeah, you know, it's just, I would love to just do my thing. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, because yeah, my style for, you know, I, I totally changed my style from uh, what you see in sort of super to get, uh, more work in traditional superhero comics. Um, and I just, I found some success um, in it, but it just, it was not as fulfilling creatively as uh, what I'm doing now with sort of super, which is exactly what I've always wanted to do. So it's uh, just, yeah, I don't, I don't want this to end. <laughs> Talk about a comics Titan to inspire you to kind of create your own thing, right? Mignola has got this entire mythological, mythological universe going. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Since you mentioned that you've done work at DC Comics and Image, um, and this is your first graphic novel, though. Was there any surprises, good or bad, that you encountered while you were, you know, kind of drawing and writing this book out? I mean, mostly good surprises. I just, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it, I feel like a kid again, just sitting in my room, writing and drawing my own stories, because that's what I always wanted to do yeah. um, when I was younger. I never, I drew um, superheroes, obviously, um, but I it really tapered off into um, just wanting to, like, I wanted to be, you know, a comic strip. Uh, I, I wanted to write and draw my own comic strip. So, yeah. you know, it, I, I didn't spend too much time worrying about whether or not I was going to get it off Superman. Um, so that really wasn't on my mind for a really long time until I became a professional and that work didn't necessarily find me. I just cast a wider net. Um, and I enjoy, I still enjoy, I still work with Phil Hester. I ink Phil Hester's um, pencils on a lot of different projects. Um, recently, we just wrapped up uh, Justice League and we'll have um, more work uh, soon. But I still enjoy it. But um, I think that kind of hits a sweet spot for me of um, just the creative side of it. I can still be involved with all these things I really love as a fan. Um, but yeah, right. The, just the creating, um, you know, of my own stories and, and drawing in a style that is, is me. Um, that was the biggest prize of just how much I enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, you, you got me thinking about how like comics kind of the, what we, what the kind of comics we see is, is of course, you know, influenced by what came before, but let's say, uh, 
you know, you were making this book 25 years ago, maybe it would be in a newspaper alongside Jim Davis's Garfield. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I think another big surprise is it was always really difficult for me to write uh, comic strips. Um, I don't, I don't think I ever, you know, I obviously never mastered it, but um, just enjoying that process of writing. Um, it just came so much more naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, you know, it's, I haven't sat and examined why, but um, that was another big surprise to me, just how much like, oh, this is, you know, as opposed to, you know, the process for me when I was writing strips, like it was just so much more enjoyable. Right. So, yeah. There's like a, such a strict reinforced structure. Mind. I was, well, I saw, saw somewhere in an interview recently, some comics creators that were in the comic strip world, they were saying when you do it long enough, you start seeing the world in three panels. Like <laughs> you start thinking about <laughs> what happened to you at the grocery store in three, three beats or whatever, yeah. how many beats that your, yeah. your comic strip is. It's kind of funny. Yeah, no, there's some truth to that. I'm, especially when I was uh, trying really hard for that. Um, you kind of mine every minute mm-hmm. of your day. It was just kind of always on your mind where that's, it's not the case for me. Um, now I don't, I don't think about this 24 um, seven. It's kind of nice. <laughs> what made Simon and Schuster the right publisher for this project? Uh, they, they offered, <laughs> they offered me a contract. They gave it. me a fat check. No. <laughs> yeah well that's kind of um so i guess to answer your question um my agents sold the book um they had a good grasp of what editors to reach out to right and uh lisa abrams uh uh, was my editor on this project she has since left uh simon schuster but it was just really great um when they offered um when when they offered uh to buy it um she offered to talk before we'd signed anything um, because, you know, those relationships are important and you want to click with uh, who you're working with. And so I, I had the best conversation with her um, one night and um, it, it, it was, it was great. Uh, just um, she totally understood the project, totally understood um, and was a fan of what I was going for. And um, it was just, it was such a great yeah, moment uh, talking to her. So I'm really happy they did. Uh, nice. Because I've had nothing but good experiences, not only with Lisa, but um, for my new editor and my art director, um, just everybody um, involved in the project. Everybody's really enthusiastic. There's just an unmatched enthusiasm, you know, for the project and for the book that uh, I I just I can't thank everyone enough. Um, it's it's been amazing. My uh, my day job is working for a nonprofit with pre-K and K teachers which got me thinking reading this uh, for a kid focused story like this. Do you think about language or vocabulary when, that you might be able to use to help kids with their reading in, at all? Has that ever come up? I don't think about it. Um, I don't think I ever articulate that. Like I don't sit down and try to do it. I don't, yeah. I certainly don't try to hmm, limit it mm-hmm. in any way, but I think it probably just stems from reading so much material that, mm. you know, I, I have a zone I know I need to stay in. I don't really know how to articulate what I'm trying to say, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't think about it too often, I guess. You mentioned earlier Calvin Hobbes and I totally got that vibe when looking at this. I mean, obviously it's your own style as well, but I was curious, are there any other comic strips that, you know, you're a big fan of? Yeah. I mentioned Richard Thompson's cul-de-sac. Those two um, are just like, they're never far from me. I have all the books um, really close to my table at all times. Nice. My favorite right now, uh, Will Henry does a strip called Wallace the Brave. And it's um, it's it's funny because it's a it's, it's an idea that I had before I tried pitching what became sort of super. Um, it was, it was I, he does so much better what I was going for or what <laughs> I wanted to go for. I don't want to say like oh that was my idea because it's, it's not really um, my idea. It's just uh, you know here's you know kids playing and he does such a good job of uh, he's just it, the the art is wonderful and um, he's funny and there's like. Uh, it's just it's fantastic um other strips um that i really enjoyed when i was younger um well i still enjoy mutts um i think patrick mcdonald was brilliant i really enjoyed rip rip haywire uh, dan thompson i believe is uh the cartoonist uh, that nice that, our that listeners are getting great picks check out <laughs> <laughs> um and i haven't been able to keep up but yeah those are those are some that certainly uh come to mind quickly your main character Wyatt Flynn has this great costume it's so it's like simple but it I don't know it's so like I don't know it just hits me like this feels newish and and really iconic in a way 
what goes into creating the costumes and, and might I say creatures that show up in sort of super? I, it's funny. I, I'm, I'm a little surprised that you really, <laughs> I, I think it's great that you uh, think that because I've always you thought that uh, <laughs> character design and costume yeah. design, every time I run into it, I'm like, Oh, oh really? Like it's, it's just not something I've done a lot of. That's funny. And um, I try and kind of, I guess what makes me, <laughs> how do I want to say this? Um, I try and put myself into the character's frame of mind as much as possible when yeah. I'm doing these. <laughs> Um, not only for the story purpose, but just because it helps me, you know, like, you know, I'm, I, I just don't feel I'm going to sit down and design, you know, something as iconic as Spider-Man. Oh, <laughs> like, sure. Who will, um, who will ever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's, it, I, I really appreciate you saying that, that makes me feel really good. Um, yeah, it definitely but, has a, a yeah. unique style that, uh, makes me think, what if there was a sequel? And I know it's way too early to be talking about this, but I love the title. And I, I'm looking at the title, sort of super. And I'm just thinking, like, could you do a sequel called Sorta Kinda Super? <laughs> I don't, I don't want you to reveal anything if you don't want to. But do you have any ideas potentially for a sequel or a sequel title? Oh yeah, I've got this. This so this is. I mean, I don't want to give away too much. It's a series, and I have you know an opening arc um, in mind. Okay. Oh, and I don't know specifically how many books that is, but I'm. Um, there's already things out on the internet uh, that uh, the the second book is called the magma cup and um, oh, okay. sort super the magma cup. Nice. And so that's already out, out there. Um, and I'm working on it right now. So, but yeah, there's, there's going to be, um, it, it won't be sort of kind of super or, you know, in that <laughs> vein, but um, it'll, it'll be that title. And then, you know, a, a subtitle. That's why I don't work in marketing. <laughs> <laughs> well, was, you know, I'm, I'm learning all this too. Uh, you know, I've, I've worked in, uh, you know, comic books, uh, the direct market for you know, about 10 years. Um, yeah. So there's still a lot of curveballs and uh, surprises and um, just how things operate in traditional publishing too. That uh, it's, it's fun and exciting. So scenario question for you, there. Eric. Um, okay. You're at the next big convention. You're at your table and a young child comes running, uh, wearing the Wyatt Flynn costume. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I just smile big right off the bat like I just did just imagining it um that, that would be awesome yeah I'd, I'd probably ask for a picture um, if it was okay with their parents <laughs> um that's amazing it's <laughs> bound to happen amazing. it's got to happen the the, the 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 this first volume sort of super is so endearing and I think I think kids will really connect with it I appreciate that so uh as an artist what do you like to do while you're drawing do you listen to music or watch tv or netflix or whatever i know a lot of artists do it differently it's kind of whatever um i, I listen to a lot of music that's probably most of what i do if i have a good audiobook um especially at the inking stage um where um my brain is still turned on but it's not as much at like the composing and roughing out pages and penciling like that takes a lot more like i need to be focused more mm -hmm. for that but i always have music on and um I, I like watching um, TV shows that I have seen a billion times. My <laughs> um, right. Smallville is a big one. I, I love just having that on in the background because I don't really need to um, focus and pay attention on it. Um, so I'm not, you know, consuming that to be entertained. I just, it's, it's fun to um, break up listening to music or, you know, lately um, I will, uh, <laughs> my, my four-year-old likes to come in and uh, build Legos um, while I work. So um when when he's in there it's just kind of me and him hanging out and nice. i can still um, work and he'll pepper me with questions about uh, you know is this cool as he you know puts a batman uh mask on spider-man or something <laughs> father son time uh, that's great yeah no it's it's wonderful um and i i used to um i, I moved recently but in my and i, I still got to finish uh, the basement in this house but um in my studio in my old home, I was able to um, actually set up two drafting tables so that um, my sons are seven and four, um, but they, they love to draw and they love to, um, you know, come and work with me. Um, so nice. I'm excited to get that um, set up again. As the writer, artist, inker, do you ever find yourself at the art art or inking stage going, you know, maybe I should change this panel? <laughs> Because oh, yeah. you can oh, tell yeah. the uh, you can tell the writer in your own head that that needs to change now. Yeah, it's funny the um, everything changes a lot from scripted page to finished um, you know page. I'm, I'm never I'm always looking for a better way to communicate an idea. So yeah, absolutely. Um, 
there there weren't anything there were never any pages that were too um the changes were too dramatic uh certainly redrawn panels um maybe one or two but um yeah there's there's lots of um little things um that get uh fixed along the way does the internal writer or artist get mad at each other ever <laughs> um <laughs> not not really i know i know that you know I've, in the first book there are there are some crowd scenes um <laughs> why did you write this <laughs> yeah there and like there's a scene with a bunch of animals you know <laughs> like things that are just traditionally hard to oh think. sure so much research but the thing about this is it's my own thing and I don't, right. I'm, I'm only, I mean, I guess first and foremost, I'm doing this to, you know, like I'm doing this for myself. Um, you know, I, I want this to be good. So I don't really get upset because I care so much about the project. Yeah. I know, you know, like the scenes I'm drawing now, um, it's just, uh, one of the characters walking down the street as he's getting from one place to another. And so like, I'm thinking about all these details that go into different parts of the town and neighborhoods he's walking through because every, you know, to show him moving, you have to um, change it. So there's all these tiny little details and I'm adding cars and people walking and, you know, like a woman is watering her uh, flowers and, you know, it's all this stuff that is really not important to the story, but I feel adds a lot to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a lot of work, but I think ultimately it's going to make for a better book. Um, so right. I, you know, I, I'm happy to do it uh, more so than there is sometimes when you're working on something you haven't written and you're, you know, there's just crowd shots everywhere, you know, right. for like four pages. You're just like, yeah. oh boy. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and you know, Ryan Stegman was on the show uh, and he was saying, he had to draw like a baseball stadium, like, and just like there's thousands of people in the background. He was like cursing the writer. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. Draw your own baseball stadium. <laughs> exactly. Here, you do it. You do the backgrounds. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's always tough. But, and, and another thing is this style is so much more, like I said, it's so much more me, but it's, it's just, mm. it's easier for me to communicate in this, um, in this style. There's, uh, there's just a lot fewer lines. Sure. Um, and you know, it's, it's just something, a, a different, you know, aesthetic you're going for, mm-hmm. but, um, I just, I enjoy it so much more. So even those uh, more difficult scenes, um, are still pretty enjoyable nice. um, because I get to turn on my, you know, like just how I cartoon and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how do I make this more simple? Um, because you don't, you know, you don't want to draw every line of a, of a crowded stadium right. room. Well, Eric, we're at the end of our interview here. Is there anywhere people can, uh, can reach you or find you on the internet. Is there any other uh, projects you want to hype? Um, uh, nothing off the top of my head. Um, I'm, I'm on Twitter at Eric Gapster. Um, I, I don't spend a ton of time on there, but um, I do check mentions um, and that sort of thing. I think um, my DMs are open if people want to, um, are more comfortable contacting that way. Um, cool. So um, I am. Yeah, I think that's the best place. I have other accounts elsewhere that I just, but I use even less. So. Um, <laughs> Those town. Nice. Yeah. Well, Eric, uh, Sort of Super comes out March 22nd. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. All right. Thanks for having me.